Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. Or a collection of talks, so to speak, uh, we're going to be talking about something that may be a little heavy, maybe a little heavy, revy, a little intense, like, oh man, I brought my friend tonight. Should you talk? If you're taking notes, the title of tonight's message is, is this, put it up on the screen, uh, Despair, Disappointment, and Depression. Yes, Welcome to church, guys. If you, if you didn't come in feeling encouraged, um, I hope you leave feeling encouraged because this is going to be an encouraging message. This is not, we're not going to talk about how to be dis, in despair, disappointment, or depression. We're going to talk about how to get out of it, how to address where we're at. And we're going to do so by looking at the story of Elijah. Now, let me just tell you here. Last week, we covered a lot of content. If anybody was here, we talked about Peter's story. Uh, and I think we may have talked a little bit too much about Peter's story. I, I mean, I covered like five different stories. We had six different points. We read more scripture than I think is like biblical. I don't even know if that's a thing, but it was a lot of scripture. All of you who weren't here last week are like, praise God, I missed it. It's on the podcast. Check it out. Um, But tonight we're going to look at Elijah. Elijah's in the Old Testament. He's a prophet. He was a man who just operated in power. He had some of the most wild, crazy Bible stories. You know, stories of like he calls the bears out of the woods to maul people. Like those kinds of stories in the Bible. He had all of them. They're just so legit. But we're not going to be looking at his mountaintop experiences, though we will be looking to the mountains in a little bit. You'll you'll catch that in the story. We're going to be looking at the lowest moment in Elijah's life. One, how he got there. Two, how he got out of there. And three, all the different things that went into that season, that moment in his life. And so another aspect of tonight that just may not be the same as we maybe used to is I have no points. Last week, oh, come, wow. Am I, am I glad that you said woo or am I like hurt that you said woo? Oh, shoot, I'm not sure. But last week I had six, so I thought this week let's even it out and do a 50-50 split. So we have no points. Why am I doing that? Because I don't want to give you truth and say this is it. I want you to lean into God's word and try to encounter God for yourself because I feel like I'm spoon feeding you when I give you these points. I want God to speak to you despite what my points are. So I'm going to give you some thoughts. I want you to pay attention here, and we're going to get this thing going. Does everybody sound good? Is that good? Okay, good. A lot of prep work for that. All right. If you have a Bible, open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. Anybody in the room have a Bible? My gosh, open your Bible, people. Pastor Brandon. Pastor. Don't you have like a master's degree in theology? Good Lord, man. It's okay. We'll, we'll pray for that later. Uh, 1 Kings 19, we're going to pick up right there, but I want to give you some context here. Our guy Elijah, uh, I told you, he's a baller, shot, caller, prophet to the nations. Let me give you a little background. In chapter 18, we're picking up in 19. Chapter 18, Elijah is taking on the prophets of Baal. This is a false god. Somebody say Baal. Like you just bailed or out on something. I don't even know. Baal, prophets of Baal. Now, the prophets of Baal were pretty much like heretical. There's not pretty much. They're heretical. They are false theology, false gods, not good stuff. How did they get into the Israelite camp? Like what happened? Ahab, King Ahab and Jezebel are just doing some funky stuff mucking up the water. Things are not going good for Israel. Israel, once again, if you look at the history of Israel, they are not doing too hot. They have fallen into spiritual decay. 
Jezebel is wreaking havoc. If I feel like, guys, I don't know if this is common, but I feel like a lot of guys are like, I don't want to date a Jezebel, and they have no idea who Jezebel is. And I feel like I'm, I may be calling out like one guy in the room, but he knows who he is. Um, but uh, we're, we're looking at Jezebel, Ahab, and there's this moment where Elijah's like, hey guys, prophets of Baal, let's do a competition to see whose God's real. And they're like, okay, we could do that. So 450 prophets of Baal are like, okay, let's do it. What do you want it to be, Elijah? And Elijah's like this. It's really cool. You get a cow, put it on this like stack of wood, pray to your God, and have fire come down from heaven and burn that bad boy up. And they're like, okay, we could do that. We could do that. And what are you going to do? I'll do the same thing. Whoever's God, whoever's God does that, the real God. And they're like, okay, game, bet. Let's go, son. Uh, and, and so it went down. Elijah's a gentleman. So he's like, hey, guys, you can go first. So they said, right, whenever you're trying to set somebody up, you let them go first, right? That's just how you do it. Uh, and he lets them go first. And they start like, God, Baal, please burn this cow to the ground. We want a steak, medium rare, please, Jesus. And not Jesus, please, Baal. And they start like crying and wailing. And in fact, they start cutting their wrists and bleeding out. And it's just this gruesome scene. And Elijah is like making fun of them. He's like, <laughs> is your God sleeping? Like what's going on here? It's an epic story. First Kings 18, check it out. But Elijah then says, hey, Lord, uh, so that they all know who you are, burn this cow up. And it says the fire came down from heaven, <laughs> burnt that thing to a crisp. Not only did it burn the cow up, but it burnt the altar up. And the altar was poured over in water and the water was licked completely dry. It says all the people were like, dang, that Elijah guy's God is pretty legit. He must be real. So what did they do? They rounded up the 450 prophets of Baal and killed them. Epic story, right? Like Old Testament, you got to read that every now and again. So this is where we pick up in our story. Elijah is on the tail end of this epic, epic battle, literally like, like dead, epic battle. And he encounters this lady named Jezebel. Let's pick it up. You guys ready? We got a lot of scripture to read. So I'm going to sit down for this one to read from my Bible. Uh, we're going to read, I think it's 19 verses. Good Lord, get ready. Here we go. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. She wasn't happy about that. Verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. You kill my gods, I'm going to kill you right back. Watch out. Now Elijah, in verse 3, and when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba. Say Beersheba. Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. My servant, get out of here. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Tears strolling down his face. It's not in there, but it's in there. Now the Lord, now Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there, was, um, there by his head was a cake baked on the coals and a jar of water. Like, what's a miracle food? Like, imagine going to bed, waking up, and there's a cake there. I mean, that's a pretty good setup. I mean, the, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Like, Lord, tonight... When I wake up in the morning, I pray there's a big old like chocolate chip cake sitting there, right? How cool would that be? Praise the Lord. 
Uh, that's verse seven. Let's go to verse seven. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Oreb. I can't pronounce Jewish names of anything, guys. So good luck as you're following me here. The mountain of God. And there he went into a cave, spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, if God ever asks you what you're doing here, you're probably not in a good spot. Just a little pro tip, guys, pro tip. So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. It's not a good setup. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle. That's just like a bougie jacket. That's what a mantle is. I'm sure you have a mantle in your closet. And went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now we talked about if God asked you that question, it's probably like you're not in a good spot. But if he asks you twice, boy, you got to pay attention. Why is he asking you that question? Maybe you should ask yourself that question. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and tore down your altars and killed all your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Again, he repeated his answer. At least change it up. You know, maybe you get the right answer if you change it up the second time. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel. Someone say Hazel as king over Syria, and you shall also anoint Jehu, the son of Nemesh, as king over Israel, and Elisha, not Jah, but Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meloha, you shall anoint as a prophet in your place, and it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knee have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Take a deep breath. That's a lot of scripture. Let's pray. Jesus, help us tonight to recover from that intense Bible study we just went through, Lord. Um, God, seriously though, Lord, I ask that you just show up and encourage us. Lord, I don't want this to be a little short period of time of me just talking and just throwing out random ideas. I want your spirit to show up. I want your power to be on display. I want lives to be changed, hearts to be healed, eyes to be opened, the kingdom of heaven to invade the kingdom of this world. So God, we give you tonight to do what only you can do. And we invite you to speak a word that'll change all of our lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So do you ever have that friend you get in trouble with a lot? Like I do. Brandon's like, yes. Like, uh, so when I was in high school, I did a lot of stupid things, guys. I may seem somewhat polished now. Um, not really, right? But I got into some serious, like, what are you doing, Pat? Like, what are you? So my friend Austin and I used to get in a lot, a lot of trouble, especially senior year. Uh, we did things like we, I was a TA in class, and he was a student in my foods and nutrition class. And I grabbed a piece of paper and wrote Simon Says on it. And my teacher would be teaching, and I'd be standing behind her, and I'd go, hold up the sign and go, and the entire class, one, two, three, we just do that. And I just put the thing back down. 
And the entire class would follow and do that. And we got in so much trouble. I mean, it took like five minutes for her to realize Matt's being an idiot. And so she, she threw me out of the class, which wasn't great. But there was this one time that I think trumps all the other times. My friend Austin and I, we found out a way to get a lot of food for free. Um, so long story short, so we found out that Fort Mill High School has this interesting loophole in their bylaws, basically, where if, say, you get a snack from the vending machine, you put that dollar in, and you type in beep, beep, boop, beep, your, your chips fall, but they don't fall all the way, and they're stuck. You can go to the front office, say, hey, my candy got stuck, they'll give you a dollar, Right? So my friend Austin and I, we pretty much only ate candy. So we were at the vending machine and we noticed this one candy, our favorite candy, the big fat Kit Kat bars, right? Every single time we put a dollar in this one machine, it would stop. But like if you little booty bump, that thing would fall. So we came up with this beautiful idea that every single day we'd get one dollar, put it in the machine, it would get stuck. The other one of us would stay and guard the candy bars and everybody would bump it and take it. The other one went to the front office and was like, hey, my candy bar got stuck. So we'd get the dollar, we'd come back, booty bump, put it in and get another Kit Kat bar. But wait, we'd let it not fall again. We'd let it sit. And the other one who went to the office would stay and the one who stayed would go to the office and get another dollar and we'd get three Kit Kat bars. And then we'd pull a third friend in and we did this for like a year. None of your business, Caden. <laughs> I'm not trying to teach you how to steal, right? And so we did this for like, literally all of senior year at Fort Mill High School. Um, but I'm not telling you the vending machine. So we did it for like a year, right? And it's like toward the end of the year. And we noticed that there's a vending machine that the door's completely wide open. And we're just like, no, nah, that's too obvious. Like, we're not going to do that. It's too obvious. So we had one of us stay there and like guard it, like trying to be the good Samaritan. Like, no, no, you can't take candy. That's a bad thing, guys. Like, <laughs> like you can't do that. And the other one went and got Officer Breland, our our, our uh, police officer for the campus, and he went in, and he closed it, and it happened again a week later. It's just the same vending machine, wide open. So I stayed there. My friend Austin went to the front office, called him, and like a week after that, Austin and I are sitting in class, and we, we just, over the, the speakerphone, over the entire school, we get this. Austin and Matthew, please report to the police officer's office. And we're like, crap. And we get there, right? We, we're both like shaking. Like we're in the B100, B200 walking down to the officer's class. And we're like, dude, they caught us. They caught us. We get to the office. We sit down and officer's just like, hey, we saw what you did on the cameras with the vending machines. And we're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and he keeps going. He's like, we saw the good thing you did. We saw you guard that vending machine that was wide open and go and get help twice. Matt Austin, we're nominating you for an award called Do the Right Thing. <laughs> you have a chance to win $1,000 in gift cards and prizes and be recognized by the, the, the Fort Mill Police Department. And even if you don't win the $1,000, you're going to be for sure get $250 worth of gift cards and prizes. Congratulations, boys. We walked out of there like, oh my God. <laughs> Brad, put it up on the screen for him, uh, just so you know. Um, we, we won, by the way, cash balling, and I got a sticker that said that my mom was supposed to put on her car. My child did the right thing. <laughs> He's trying to hide how guilty he is. I, can, I was like 
smile, laughing, slash crying the whole thing. Like, they're going to catch us, but this is awesome. Like, this is so cool. Like, we got like hundreds of dollars of free food and gift cards because it was so bad. But we do this, right? Whoever we give the most influence and the most voice in our life, we typically allow them to kind of lead us a little bit. Like I had a coach that believed in me, spoke really encouraging to me, and I did the best playing basketball. I equally had a coach the year before who's like, man, you're kind of bad. And I'm like, I hate you. And I didn't do really good that year. Elijah had this interesting moment where he allowed the words of Jezebel to lead his life. And what happened? The fear of man came in like that. Just like that. You can take that off the screen. They're all going to be looking at my, my sinner ways. Elijah fell into despair, disappointment, and depression when he let the words of this lady, this Jezebel, this person, loom larger than his history with God. The the consistency of God throughout the ages, he let that woman named Jezebel make him forget his history with God. Think about it. Elijah had no reason to be afraid of Jezebel. One chapter before, he just took out 450 guys. After fire flipping came down from the sky and burnt up an offering. Why was he afraid of this lady? And you know what's so crazy is the fear of man causes you to like not think clearly and reject people and hide and run away. But what's, what's interesting is when you allow the right voices in, things begin to shift for the good. Let me, let me, let me check it right here. When disappointment comes, what's the loudest voice in your life? What is the safe haven you go to? Where do you go when things are hard, right? Where do you go? Israelites. They're going into the promised land, right? They cross over the Red Sea. Noah grabs his staff and he's like, 40 years pass, little bit of time there. Then you got Joshua, who's the new leader of the Israelites. They, they cross over the, the Jordan River, the Jordan River, and he says, hey guys, grab the stones out of the Jordan River. Build this little altar here in the middle of camp. And what we're going to do, we're building this, this memorial so that every time we go to bed, we have to look at the faithfulness of God. Every time we walk in our town to do what we have to do, we see this giant memorial of what God did in seasons past. They had this culture of camping around the goodness of God. And what happened because of it? They, every single night, they would camp around the goodness of God and they'd wake up in the morning. Did anybody know the story of Jericho? They'd walk around some crazy building wall and they would just hope that it would fall one day, but they kept coming back to the promises of God. They had a wall in front of them, but they kept camping around the goodness of God with their life. When we allow the wrong voices into our lives, we fall into despair. But when we allow the right voices, we have faith and confidence to keep going. Oh my gosh, Garrett's here. No one else is here. I think you guys are missing it. That's a good word. That's a good word. So the question is, who are you listening to? Who do you allow the loudest voice in your life? When times are hard, are you checking who you're listening to? That's another good thought. Verse five and seven. We we see Elijah needs to sleep and to eat. This is some profound wisdom right here. The angel Lord says, hey, get up, because he was sleeping. First of all, rude. He said, get up. You need to eat, my guy. Arise and eat. That's a word for everybody tonight. Arise and eat. Amen, Ray. Amen. Come on. Then in verse uh, 7, I believe, yeah, and the angel Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. This is real simple, real practical, but, but the practicals have spiritual capabilities. He needed food and to sleep. 
Can I tell you that maybe, just maybe, a very practical thing that would help you navigate your emotional, internal world is just eating and taking a nap. I know we just went real spiritual in the first section. Let's go real practical in the sec- second section. Like, rest. Take a, take a day off and take a nap. Eat some healthy food. And you know what's really interesting about this? Can you go to verse 8 for me, Brad? When we do practical things, it brings like spiritual health to us. Look at this. So he arose and ate and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. I I mean, I eat like every hour on the hour and I'm still hungry, right? It's like, what are you doing? I sat on the couch for like a month and I'm still hungry. Like, like what's going on there? Like, I don't understand how my body keeps producing food. Like I ate an entire box of Fruit Loops like this week. Like, what am I doing with my life? I'm like 25 and I'm just... Like, I can't stop. And we see Elijah over here eats one, two meals, a little bit of cake and some water, and he's good for 40 days and 40 nights. Practical things can bring miraculous spiritual health, internal health. Catch this. Uh, look at, uh, let's go to Psalms 145.14. This is going to be really help make sense of it. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. Okay, catch this. Oh man, I'm so out of shape. All right, bow down, right? Oh, good Lord, I need to stretch. This is so uncomfortable, guys. So the Lord raises up all who are bowed down. Do you think God is literally like walking in the room, picking me up like by the shoulders and standing me back up? Or do you think it's talking about something on the inside, about raising you up on the inside? There's something about a physical position of, God, I need you that brings a spiritual, man, my tank's being filled up. You see that? That happens when you eat food and take a nap too. Come on, praise the Lord. That's too good. You guys are just staring at me. Okay, second little thought here is that God sent an angel to Elijah. Did you catch that? Okay, this is so simple. I want you guys to just take this in. God does not pull away from you when you're struggling. We talked about that last night. I mean, last Wednesday. Peter started sinking. Jesus drew closer and grabbed him when he was sinking in the water. Elijah is struggling. He's in fear. He's being led by the fear of man. He's struggling with depression. He said, God, I want to die. And God says, okay, I'm going to send you an angel to help you. Simple thing. I want you to expect God to show up in the miraculous. When did we stop expecting God to do miracles? Like seriously, all throughout the Bible, God's like, yeah, angels show up all the time. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast at the demons. Freely you've been given, so freely pour it back out. But yet we don't expect it. I go to bed every single night with this expectation, God, you're going to give me a dream tonight. If you can give a dream to Noah, you can give a dream to Pharaoh and to Moses and to Daniel and to Joseph. Man, God, give me a dream too, and I want God to meet me in my dreams. I'm expecting it. I want you to expect God to show up in your hardest moments with a miracle. Does that sound good? Okay, good, like one person. It's okay, we're getting there, we're getting there. I was at a camp a long time ago. I mean, like, not a long time ago, I'm only 25. Uh, but it was like 10 years ago back in Nam. Um, but no, I was, I was doing altar ministry up front, and somebody is like, hey, we're gonna do baptism of the Holy Spirit service. You come up, you get prayer, Holy Spirit feels you. It's fantastic, right? I'm standing up here, and this kid walks up to me. It's like, hey, like very plain face. I wanna get filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, all right, dude, like, let's, let's do that. And I felt the Lord's like, hey, ask me if there's something else that he needs prayer for. And I was like, all right, Lord. Hey, uh, buddy, 
I'll call him Joe. Hey, Joe, um, is there something else you need prayer for? And he's like, yeah, I'm really depressed. I'm like, okay, honest moment. I started laughing. It's really inappropriate. But like, there's this knowing, like, you know, in your knower, it's like, oh yeah, God's highlighting that so that he can heal it. So I laughed, not to be rude, but just out of the expectation, God's going to heal it. So I was like, all right, great, Joe. Come on, give me your hands. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that right now you take away Joe's depression in the name of Jesus. A, and before I even finished amen, homeboy went, jumped to the side, and literally said, I'm completely set free of depression. Like that. His demeanor, his face, his whole countenance just changed. Because in a moment, a miracle happened. Why can't it happen to you? God shows no favoritism to anyone. He isn't waiting for you to get your life right before he shows up to heal you. He's not waiting for you to get your life right before he speaks to you. In fact, most of the time, God speaks to people and then things change. So expect God to show up. Expect God to speak. Expect God to be miraculous and powerful and awesome because he does that. Come on. I'm feeling it tonight, guys. This is so good. I'm encouraged. I need it. Um, there's this interesting moment where Elijah in history's past was asked by God to go into the wilderness. Ahab, Jezebel's crazy husband, was trying to kill Elijah. Elijah keeps trying to get killed by a bunch of people. Tough life, right? Ahab's trying to kill him, and the Lord says to Elijah, hey, go hide in the mountains by this creek, and I'm going to send a random raven to feed you. So Elijah's like, all right, Lord, I'll do that. So Elijah doo, 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 sits by the river, and during this like year-long stretch, the entire nation goes into a drought, a famine. People are running out of food, running out of water, and Elijah's just sitting there next to a river, and this bird keeps showing up and dropping food off at his house. Epic, right? And, and, and during this time, Ahab's trying to find Elijah and can't find him. It's this epic story of like, God's just like, <laughs> good job, Ahab. Like, and Elijah's like, I'm so full, like so much food. Like, it's just hysterical. God has humor, guys. It's so awesome. But what's interesting God called him to go to the mountain back then, right? Jezebel threatens to kill him. And what does Elijah do? He runs right back to the mountains. Now you're thinking, that seems like a good idea, but I don't think it was. Why? Because he was using yesterday's word for today's problem. He had no reason to run. He's using yesterday's command, yesterday's prophetic word, prophetic insight for today's problem, what was the right response to stay current with God? Are we continually, continually, day by day, minute by minute, second by second saying, Lord, what's going on? Help me. Speak to me. God, you are a light into my feet, a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. Lord, what's the next step today? Lead me, guide me. But often we just like to revert back to and be kind of lazy, if I'm being honest, you know, last word was really good. I got free food. A bird came and fed me. I had this nice pond. When tough times happen, I'm just going to go back to what's the easiest. What's the easiest for you? Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's that relationship. Maybe it's showing up to church when things are tough, but when things are good, I don't show up. I'm not trying to look at people. Like, but, but what's your thing? What's your vice? What's your comfort thing that you go to when things are tough? Maybe you should stay current with God and you wouldn't have to run from your problems, but instead conquer them. Last time Elijah listened to God, he took out 450 prophets of Baal through an epic story. I just love that story, guys. It's just so much fun for me. Stay current with God. Hear his voice. He wants to speak to you. I say it almost every time I get up here. God is still speaking. 
He's trying to speak to everybody. So if he's speaking to everybody, the truth is simple that he's trying to speak to you. That means you have the ability to hear God's voice. Whew, that's so cool. Like, I, I wish more people were excited about that like I am. Like, is that not the coolest thing? If you could have a one-on-one 30-minute lunch with the savior of the world, the creator, the one who built the mountains, created you before you were born, thought about you. It says in Psalms that God thinks about you more than the grains of sand on the earth in a single day and you don't talk to him? Por qué? <laughs> Why? Oh my gosh. God reminded Elijah who was with him. When met with despair, disappointment, depression, one of the first things the enemy will try to do is to convince you you're alone. That's the fear of man, isn't it? You know, it's really funny. I think it's, let me pull it up here. It's uh, verse three. You don't have to pull it up. I guess you could pull it up. Verse three. Elijah ditches his servant who was with him. He saw that he arose, ran for his life, went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Fast forward four verses. God, I'm so alone. Why did you leave your servant? Why did you ditch him? It's really funny. If you do a deep study, go back four chapters. There's this guy who says, hey, I know a hundred prophets who won't bow down to Baal either. Who, who won't, hey, why didn't you forget about them? They're still around. Even in the media, the fear of man does this. It causes you to push people away and then be upset that people are distant from you. That's called a lie. And here's the great thing. You don't have to believe it. You can make a choice right here, right now and say, God, I just reject the lie of the fear of man. I don't have to be afraid of man because I'm afraid of you. I have the fear, the honor, the glory, the respect of you, God. Whom shall I fear? Even the lady who's trying to kill me. She's got nothing on you, God. I saw you burn up that cow. I saw you defeat the 450. What is one Jezebel against 450 people I just killed like an hour ago, right? Why do we think like that? Why do we forget the things of God? Maybe because they're not camping around God. That's a good word. That's a good word. I'm encouraged. God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah responds, uh, pull up verse 10 for me, Brad. Elijah responds by explaining the situation. He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel, that's the word Israel, have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. They seek to take my life. And then again, God asks Elijah one more time, dude, what are you doing here? Then it pulls up verse 14 for me, Brad. He says it again. I, I pointed out when we first read this. He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. They seek to take my life. Ah, right? You know what's really interesting about this? Other than that, there's a difference between confession and honest confession. Confession, honest confession. I have the fear of man and the fear of death. So it's really interesting. God doesn't even address this. Let me give you an example of the difference between confession and honest confession. Confession, you may seem wise. Honest confession, there's healing. Great example. Uh, a boy and a girl break up. You talk to the boy. The boy's like, the Lord was telling me it's time for a season of singleness. I feel like I need to really work on my, my spirit, myself. And just go into this season really mature and healthy. So I went to my girlfriend and proposed this to her, submitted it at her feet, and she agreed to my proposal. And then uh, she agreed and adjourned, and we no longer are dating. 
you go and talk to the girl, she's like, I dumped him. He's kind of weird. Like, he's really serious and quoting scripture way out of context. It's like, okay, the guy, right? It's like, shots fired. The guy may seem mature, may seem even wise to some, but there's no healing. Why? Because he just couldn't admit where he's at. Man, I got dumped and it hurts real bad. Hey, I'm really depressed and I need help. I've been struggling with the fear of man my whole life and I don't know what to do about it. There's a difference between confession and honest confession. I even hate that there has to be a clarification for confession. There shouldn't be. Confession is the honest, sober expression of where you're at. I am a wreck right now and I need a lot of help. I've been severely just distraught about my family. Just being honest. It's not for the sake of exposing things to shame you. Oh, you're dealing with that loser? Like, no, it's not that at all. It's for the sake of healing, forgiveness, freedom, deliverance. How is God going to set you free of something if you can't admit to having it? It's just, you got to be honest about where you're at. That's another good one. Honest confession always leads to healing. Verses 15 and 18. Elijah confesses his situation. God finally just lets Elijah know what's up. I have the right people for you in the right season, and they're going to take care of it. I'm going to have you anoint this guy named, I can't even pronounce his name, Hazel. He's going to be king over Syria. Then I'm going to have you anoint Jehu. Some say Jehu. That's just a great name. I might name my firstborn that, Jehu. It's just snappy. I'm going to anoint Jehu over Israel. And then, hey, guess what? I'm going to also have you anoint Elisha to be the guy who comes after you. What's God saying? Hey, I have community for you. The people that you're afraid of, that fear you've been navigating and struggling, the reason you have the fear of man and the situations you've been dealing with, I have people who are going to take those guys out for you. I have a community set aside, anointed special people made for your race that you're supposed to be connected to. They're going to help you take, take down everything that comes against you. Here's the interesting thing. He even goes further than that. Think about Elijah. He's a prophet, right? Anybody know Elijah's a prophet? He says, I'm going to anoint, I want you to anoint Elisha to be the prophet that follows after you. What's he saying? I want you to have a legacy beyond yourself. You're seeing in the immediate I have a legacy plan for you. You're seeing the immediate fear of a person. I have friends and community. And this is how God works, by the way. He gives you a calling. Anybody know they're called by God in the room? Okay, great. One, two, four. Man, we need to, we need to preach about that, Brandon. Nobody in here knows that they're called by God. Jeremiah 20 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. You are called by God, by the way, people. God gave you a calling, but what he did with your calling, it's really kind of cool. He ties it in, in connection with people. So it's your calling, but you can't do it separate from people. You have the right people in the right moment who are going to partner with you in your calling. Yes, you're called to do it, but you can't do it without your people. And God's sending you people. Can I declare it and tell you today that God has people for your situation? If you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling in despair, if you're feeling that you have the greatest disappointment you've ever experienced, do not run away from community. Run into community. Run into the arms of your friend and confess, I need help. There is no help. There is no healing when you are stuck alone in the mountains crying except for God, who's so faithful to meet you there every time. But let's not get to that point where we're calling out to God saying, God, take my life. Let's get into community. Let's dive 
deeply into each other and, and experience this freedom that we were meant to live. And you know what's so cool? And I'll close right here. Can we all come up? I'm going to close, right? Make it sound spiritual. Elijah's greatest fear, according to the Bible. I, I did a little research here, just a tidbit. I couldn't find another example of Elijah being afraid of anything. His biggest fear, I think, was dying. Elijah's greatest fear was dying, and God was so good to show up and put the right people in his life, situate things. Ahab and Jezebel killed and wiped out. The prophets of Baal and that false theology taken off the map. They're no longer a situation from. In fact, if you really want to get into it, Jezebel was eaten by dogs. Kind of a baller way to take somebody out. I'm just saying. I mean, that's like gruesome. Snap. Elisha becomes a prophet after him. The legacy is established. But you know the one thing he was afraid of? Of dying. God's like, hey, I got you. You're not even going to die. Do you know Elijah's story, how it ends? He's taken up in a chariot of fire and never experiences death. Hmm. How interesting is that? I wonder if maybe, just maybe, the thing we're afraid of isn't something we have to concern ourselves because God's going to remove it from our situation. Maybe I should pray that over you, right? Does that sound good? That God's going to remove that thing that you've been afraid of and that you've been struggling with, that thing, that area of disappointment, that area of heartbreak maybe, and that thing that you're afraid of and just been, it's been gnawing at you on the inside. Maybe, just maybe, God's good like that. He's faithful. He did it for one. He could do it for another. He's no respecter of persons. Maybe, just maybe, he can remove the thing that you're afraid of so that you never have to experience it ever taken up in a chariot of fire, <laughs> never experienced death. I said it at the beginning of the message. I am so expectant for God to do something crazy. <laughs> in a moment, Joe got healed of depression, set free right there. In a moment, fire came down from, from heaven and burnt up a, an, an offering. In a moment, an angel showed up, hey, eat some cake. <laughs> Still awesome. Angel showed up again, eat more cake. You're going to need it. 40 days of not needing to eat food off of one, two meals. God is miraculously showing up everywhere. And I'm going to pray tonight that he does the same thing for you too. That wherever you're at, he's going to show up in power. He's going to show up in his goodness. He's going to show up in his faithfulness. He's going to intervene in your situation. And he's going to be good to you. Sound good? Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, you're so awesome. God, I thank you that tonight, Lord, you would... Um, you would meet us right in the middle of our pain, right in the middle of our despair, right in the middle of our, our discomfort, the thing that we've been gnawing and struggling with, God. I think that you're faithful. You just keep showing up. You keep showing up in your love and your power. And instead of us having to fear you, we get to embrace you because you keep pulling us closer because you love us, Jesus. You love us so much. God, I pray for an extreme amount of healing to take place tonight. For anybody who's actually struggling with maybe specifically depression, I pray in the name of Jesus, depression be gone right now from this room. Any person, any heart, any thought that is depressed and is under the influence of depression or the fear of man, I say right now in the name of Jesus, be gone and never come back. God, I thank you. This is a generation. This is a group of people that has a legacy far beyond themselves. God, I pray for everyone in this room that they will never experience depression. They will never experience despair. And that that would be a generation 
institutional line, that they would have people who walk in boldness, in confidence, in assurance, in, in a steadfast confidence that God is good. He is taking care of me. I have a Savior who loves me and He is with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. God, I thank you that tonight we are a different people. We are marked by your goodness. We are marked by your faithfulness. And let us leave here. Let us find our good community, God. Send the right people at the right time to help us navigate the situations we got going on and move in power. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. Come, Jesus. We invite you into our situations. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say. We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.